Good afternoon from around the world. Welcome to Office Hours. I'm here with my mentor. That's him down there, up there. He's moving all around. Uh, Blaine Bartlett, the world business chief consultant, the unbelievable world thought leader. Learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM. Uh, I can tell you, everyone that works in Bartlett, including me, uh, it changes your life. You're, you're li literally the living Wayne Dyer, uh, Blaine. You change the way that we look at things and everything that we look at changes. So thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, I love it. And I love how you change things. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, we have another world changer from down under. She's with us today. Shanna Kennedy is in the house. She's an executive life and health coach. Um, and she has a new book. And Shanna, I wanted to have you on office hours because uh, there's an old statement that uh, changed my life. And it was, if you want to make God laugh, come up with a well-developed plan. And yet you wrote a book, The Life Plan, The Simple Strategies for Building Confidence in a Changing World. Um, how do we, within the context of a life plan, adjust for the changes, the God make you know, us you know, feel ridiculously small, which we are, and laughing at us, because we spent years, decades, sometimes even longer with this great life plan. And in one instant of a second, God just laughs at us and everything seems to uh, be into a, a complete start over mode. So I wanted to start with, you know, what do we do when God laughs at us with our life plan? Well, that's a great question. And thanks for having me on the show. I, I think that every human being needs a life plan. They need The brain needs a map. It needs to know you know, I really want to travel in this direction and God's going to throw us a few detours. But we still need an overall big picture of who are you without your job and what are you doing for your life plan? And, you know, I've been coaching a lot of Olympic Olympians for the last 20 years, elite athletes, CEOs, and my job is to make sure that they know who they are without their job because the job is going to come and go and the next job is going to come and go. And things are going to happen that are out of our control. But really focusing on what you can control around your mindset, your health, your well-being, what you're passionate about, your network, your hobbies, your wealth creation strategy, all of these things. Actually, I think for great confidence, you have to do a little bit of work on the business of self. Yeah, I love that. Um, I mean, that's, that is the essence of all of the work that uh, both David and I do uh, for, for all intents and purposes. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, there's nothing out there except me. I mean, and, and I mean that in a very literal way. Uh, if I'm, you know, if I'm seeing a loving world, I'm being loving. If I'm seeing a, a nasty world, I'm being nasty. Uh, I mean, just to be, you know, kind of uh, simplest about that. So when I tie myself up, my identity up into the job or the role or the position or the accolade that uh, I strive for, I, you know, in my experience, I'm setting myself up for failure at some point in time, the experience yeah. of failing. So with your work and the Olympic athletes, I think are a great place to work uh, this, this question into here. They have spent lives, and I mean this in a plural sense, the ones that you've been working with, they've, they've spent their lives striving to attain a certain outcome. And yeah, you, you notch the arrow, you shoot the arrow, it's right on target, and a gust of wind comes up and blows it off target, and you failed. 
What do you do with the athlete at that point in time? What would you do with a business leader at that point in time? Well, this is this is where we actually start the whole process of we need to build who you are without your job. And my job um, was corporate sports. So I was the Jerry Maguire. I was buying and selling the athletes for a brand. You know, it was the ultimate job. And people said to me, why would you leave your job to become a life coach? And it was because I had seen so much destruction about what happens when you get injured. What happens when you get dropped from the team because you're one year too old and they've bought in a youth policy? Um, what happens when you actually retire, but you're only 26 years old? Um, and I saw the very, very dark side. And this is 20 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, actually more 25 years ago, I was in that job. So um, 20 years ago, I studied life coaching to really think about it doesn't matter who we are on the planet, that gust of wind can come. So we all need to ensure that we're actually pretty confident about just who we are as a human being. And the job is the ride that we get on and off. And yes, it gives us focus and we've got goals to go and smash and we can be achievement junkies. But at the end of the day, it's not very fulfilling. So high performance living, not just high performance in a career. If we have a high performance life plan running alongside our career plan at the same time, then the, the job plan can change. You know, you're, you're an Olympian one year and then you turn into a coach and then you turn into a media broadcaster or whatever your pathway may be. But that life plan has to be running at a high performance level along the way, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. And in that same realm, you know, I look at the relativity of the past uh, to figure out my own human nature, the defining moments or inflection points of my past, which are especially um, exaggerated as you deal with billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, and entertainers, and that we derive a self-worth or identity from these inflection points or defined moments. Um, and then we have these activities every day that are defined by 24 hours, that this collective consciousness, this earth is human beings, we're limited by the 24 hours. Where I find it especially interesting in career, which is me yours as well, um, is that understanding this trajectory idea that Although we know pain, setbacks, failures, and mistakes, especially with athletes, billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs, celebrities, and athletes, et cetera, pain, mistakes, and failures are also amplified, that we have to have a trajectory of what we think we want uh, in the future. And although the only limitation in the past is the relativity or meaning that we give these defined moments, that, you know, when you're billionaires and you're athletes and celebrities, people hang on to those moments. You know, take someone like Jim Layritz, who you probably don't know, but played for the New York Yankees, and he hit literally one big home run in his life uh, yeah. to beat the Atlanta Braves in a World Series. Literally, he's way older than I am, and he looks it, by the way. Uh, but more importantly, he uh, I take as many jabs at this guy as I can. Uh, but in, not just he's the way he... he uh, He's defined by that one, one moment, and it's actually limiting him in his trajectory to a future. He lives below the line in blame, shame, justification because he's holding himself up to this meaning. How do we help these people who have a stronger hold on not only their identity, but defining moments or inflection points of their identity that everyone around them are not going to let Michael Phelps forget that he won eight gold medals or you know, Jim Lehrer's hit one home run in his life. How do those people 
she had that inflection point as well to unleash the unlimited infinite future that they and we all possess. Well, I think we need to keep asking them about how do you want to feel? Like, do they actually feel good right now with that story? And is that story actually really serving them? And what other people say to them is, is a little bit irrelevant because I think you need to be in the driver's seat of your own life. Mm-hmm. So what is the story that's actually going to work for you now moving forward? You know, you're only as good as your last song. You're only as good as your last goal or your last record, whatever they say. This is about saying to yourself, okay, well, that's the past. The past is gone. What do I want to create for my future? What, what is going to make my, my mind feel like it's still motivated and inspired in a different way with a new project. But most importantly, how do I want to feel about myself every day? Um, Do I want to feel trapped by the past or do I want to create, you know, a great new story moving forward? So I really try and work with them about, I don't really want to talk about the past and your gold medal. I actually think about you, the person and the human being, and how do you want to feel? And if you want to feel light and you want to feel energetic or if you want to be the blame game, how does that make you feel? Do you really want to keep feeling like that? And we have to shift that story. Sorry, the sun's rising here. I'm just going to... Uh, good morning. morning. Like, good morning. Like 8 a.m. here. <laughs> Wait, I have one quick question, Blaine. One quick question. Yeah. How does tomorrow look? How does tomorrow look? Yes. Since you're dawning in tomorrow. Beautiful. Right? Well, the sun's come up, so that's a good start, isn't it? I love, I'm looking forward to tomorrow now. Thank you. You know, you're, you're talking about aliveness and aliveness only can exist in the present moment. And in the work that I do with clients, and I notice this in myself as well. I, you know, there's a lot of rep past referencing. You know, this is what I used to do. This is what I did. This is what what I'm standing on to build. And, you know, one of my morning practices, uh, I, I, I study stoic philosophy and I came across something that Seneca said, I mean, literally millennia ago, let not the impulse of your soul decay and grow old, sustain and affirm it so that what is an impulse of your spirit may become a habit. And that becoming a habit, you talk about building a high performance life, not a high performance career. And I want to just emphasize that distinction. Because I think that is an enormous distinction, not just for athletes, but for anybody that is alive today. What are you doing to build a high-performance life? And your work is on mindset. Uh, I mean, that's a large part of the leverage. What would be one very simple suggestion that you could make or offer that would allow people to begin to perhaps tweak their thinking a bit so that they're actually more likely to be focused on building a high-performance life, not just a high-performance career? I think that people need to work out what the boss is. And the, the boss really is our own set of values. And, you know, we always say it's all about the job. And, you know, I've coached so many people in their 70s who turn up in their Ferraris and they have no fulfilment. Um, <laughs> the only thing that gives them joy is doing a handshake deal. You know, nothing, there's no joy in anything anymore. So there's no high, they're chasing the high. And what we need to do now for a high performance life is learn to create new highs in a different way. So for me, resting and treating myself like an athlete of life where I have to warm up every day, run my best race every day, cool down every night, 
and having unbelievable habits that really support me and make sure I stop at the Gatorade station all the way during the day, which is every time I wash my hands, that I take three big breaths and I'm present to actually enjoy the success that I have. So I found that none of them tapped into the success that they hadn't felt it. It was this it was an it was an adrenaline rush. It was it was like um, being in the heroin den all the time. But they actually now need to, to completely detox and find just a healthier way of being an achievement junkie. So I, I think that people need to understand what their own set of values are. And and for me, health is first. I've been through burnout. So health is not do I feel good. It is what am I doing to tweak and sharpen my mental health today? What am I doing to tweak and sharpen my physical health? Eat, move, sleep, breathe. What am I doing for my emotional health and my spiritual health? So if those buckets are full, life's going to be great. Mm-hmm. If we compromise any of those buckets, there's going to be a cost at some stage. So how can we have a high-performance career without the cost of you know sacrificing relationships and health and mental health and physical health and emotional health and have no spiritual health whatsoever. So I really invite them to to my achievement today isn't did I sell 10,000 more books or or you know coach 10 more people my achievement today is every time I wash my hands did I take my three deep grounding breaths that changed my nervous system and allowed me to feel my success and open the door to the next 90 minutes. That is a harder achievement than selling 10,000 more books. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. The non-negotiables of every human being of health, family, and the activities of the day paid for, unpaid for sleep. But uh, I think it's really interesting as we get to the next guest, uh, Blaine and Shanna, you both have experienced, I find that the more successful the person, the higher level of spirit they are, spirit of excellence, uh, they usually have experienced some sort of mentorship and coaching to achieve such a high level. Every athlete I know has been a coach since they were five, no matter how great they are from Tiger Woods to Michael Jordan. Um, but it's interesting when they transition from that identity, how they think all of a sudden, whether it's an executive business coach, a strategic executive life coach, or a health coach or a sleep coach, that somehow they're so resistant to coaching. And it blows my mind as all three of us, like how resistant the people have been successful because of coaching are to coaching when they have achieved so much by having and experiencing coaching. Uh, It'll be a talk for another day, Shanna, but everyone out there needs a life plan if you need assistance. I actually have myself. That's that's number one is I must be coached myself in order to feel what oh, it's like and someone to fine tune me. Yep. That's my business coach right there. I got a sleep coach. I have a family coach. It's amazing. But I also have a life plan and I have and know my priority, prioritize activities every day in a trajectory of what I think I want in the future. That's what we're looking at, that plan, creating simple strategies for building confidence in an accelerated changing world. I added that into your title, but more importantly, thank you for empowering so many people around the world. I can't wait to meet you when I come down there. ShannaKennedy.com. Check out the life plan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You're awesome. Thanks.
That's All great. right, we got the experiment with tomorrow already, and what a lovely, lovely, lovely coach and author she was. Um, yeah. All right, we're going to just move right along here at Office Hours. We're here on Thursday. Thankful Thursday. I'm always thankful to having Blaine Bartlett here. Learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM. We were talking about the importance of mentorship and coaching, and Shannon and myself have coaches and mentors and teachers and mine sitting in that gorgeous blue shirt right next to me. But we have George Bendarian, and he's here, the founder and general partner, CEO of Untapped Ventures, another venture studio, uh, which is really elevating uh, our economy, but also our future. And, uh, you know, welcome, George, to Office Hours. Awesome. Thank you, David. Hey, Blaine. Good to see you guys. Good to, good to actually see you, George. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we certainly, it, you know, it's so important to have uh, people who not only give money, um, but also give advice, give support, give relationships. And these startup studios that are, uh, you know, popping up everywhere, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, with untapped ventures, what are the unique uh ways or value propositions uh, to the corporates out there uh, for innovating within the context of untapped ventures or venture studio in, in general? Yeah, sure. Happy to happy to dive right in. Um, so, yeah, so untapped ventures kind of, you know, our uh, what we do is we're both a venture studio and a venture fund, and we build and invest in emerging tech startups that help people live their best self. So I definitely loved kind of uh, the last conversation and really all, all the work that you do, David. So very aligned kind of my thesis when I started it, uh, and I'll answer your corporate's question in a second, um, just providing a little context was how can I take what some of my, you know, personal development gurus do, the Tony Robbins and, you know, what you do uh, out there and all that, and how could I do it? In a different form, um, how can I do it through venture scale startups that reach people? Because a lot of people access um, the things that they access on their mobile devices and their computers, and a lot of that is through software. So, so that's kind of the background of, of what we do. Um, and then as it relates to corporates, corporates, so the studio has three, if you will, raw materials that go through the, the studio manufacturing facility, if you will. If a studio is a startup that builds startups, you know, we work on internal ideas, we work with founder-led ideas, and we work with corporates. So you asked about corporates. The interesting thing about corporates is that, um, you know, if you follow some of Salim Ishmael and the kind of EXO exponential organizations work, I think he's done a good job of um, talking about how the corporate, you know, has an immune system and even some of the best ideas will get killed or they just won't be able to make it for a variety of reasons. Um, and where it succeeded is where you almost have like the skunk works operation that's outside the corporate walls and it's given autonomy to be able to, you know, work on those crazy edge case ideas, be able to validate them and bring them to market. You know, even Apple, Steve Jobs was kind of famous. He had that the skunk works originally comes from Raytheon when they were innovating back in the day. So we kind of serve as that skunk works uh, for corporates. Um, being able to, you know, when I'm talking to a corporate, usually what I like to say is if you were Marriott and you had the Airbnb idea, would you have actually brought that to market? And, and would, and you know, most will kind of like sheepishly chuckle and admit that probably not, like we would never have like 
you know? And I said, well, what if you, what if you did, what if you could, and that's what we would do in your business, whatever your business is. So that's the idea is to be able to co-build a venture with a corporate that's looking at the disruption of technology. You know, there's 12 or so Gutenberg moments that are happening right now in terms of all the exponential emerging technologies that are converging and happening at the same time. And I think that for a lot of corporates, they just don't have the ability to understand them, be able to ideate with them, quickly build MVPs, validate or invalidate, kill ideas, and then have the one, you know, bring to market, create a founding team and scale it. And that's kind of what our superpower is. You know, um, you talk about your MTP, your massively transformative purpose being self-actualization. And that whole notion of MTP, uh, Peter Diamandis uh, kind of popularized it. Uh, I've known Peter for some time. The idea of transformation. I mean, and, and, and I'm struck by this with the uh, uh, referencing around corporates. Uh, when I was doing a lot of work with Nokia you know, years ago, you know, when Nokia was you know, the big gorilla in the marketplace uh, in telephony, they had their uh, little skunk work area that was... Yeah, this little thing that, you know, we've got this idea, let's put it over there and see what can be done with it. And that, that, was, that was my first really uh, exposure to an organization that was intentionally trying to disrupt itself by saying, you know, we're going to give you guys a budget. Yeah, go run with it. See what you can come up with. And if it looks viable, yeah, we'll find a way to, you know, kind of run with it and see what happens. Um, now, there's some stuff that happened out of that. No, I won't go into that whole history. But when you're talking about that massively transformative purpose as a person, self-actualization, can you apply that same notion to an organization? And I'm, you know, I, I'm, 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 this is a, a rhetorical question in part because I, yeah, I know we can. I'm just wondering how you go about doing that because self-actualization literally is about you know, going outside of constraints. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, so so I, I grew a company. I sold it in 2018. And when I did my purpose discovery work after the post-exit identity crisis, right? So once I got past that and I did the deep discovery work and how am I going to have impact and, and how am I going to do that? I, I knew that that's what I like. I, I like I, I live for the moment of the breakthrough, personal transformation. Um, and I think you guys were saying, uh, I thought I heard David saying in the last segment, something about that everybody's had something that's happened in their past that's kind of, you know, leads to it, right? So my father passed when I was a baby. Um, so obviously, you know, growing up without a dad, that has an impact. And so luckily I was given the Tony Robbins Get the Edge CDs, you know, when, you know, in high school and that started my journey. And so, so yeah, so, 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 so that was, so, so, I, so I said, that's what I want to do. And, 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 and then I said, okay, the company I grew was in the B2B, you know, SaaS space. So I'm, I'm very used to, you know, working with enterprise um, and, and kind of on the B2B side, maybe a little bit more than on the, let's say a B2C kind of guy. Um, and so my take on that was how do we have the corporate employees uh, be able to live their best selves at work? Right. Because we spend most of our waking hours at work and 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 mind you, like that thesis for Untap Ventures when we started, which is, you know, employees, like how do we help employees become their best selves at work? Because we spend the most of our time. That was before the great resignation. It was right as the pandemic was happening. And and there was a lot in question uh, around work and, 
you know, first it was like where we work, but then as everything about work came into question, you know, it wasn't just where we work and who we work with, it's why we do the work. And the why led to the great resignation, um, which was, you know, really fascinating to, to see is that collapse with us really getting on top launch. So, so as it relates to what we do on that side of the house, I think it's really working with corporates that are very culture oriented, that want to take care of their people, that are really looking for, you know, um, not just the check the boxes employee benefits, but how do we really make a difference? Um, so like as an example, one of our ventures through our studio is a product called Teamfulness. Uh, which is the world's only guided business meditation app, uh, different than Calm and Headspace and some of the others, where it's all about like processing actual issues. Like I'm a longtime EO member, very familiar with EO, YPO, Vistage. And, you know, if you kind of boil down the, all the presentations that happen in forum, they, they kind of fall into a number of like common categories. And so we took those and building guided meditations to be able to provide individuals and teams the ability to go internally and instead of leaning into another Zoom meeting or another whiteboard session, to actually just kind of pause and go within to ask those questions and try to pull answers from a different source, right? The higher self or, you know, mm -hmm. the connected consciousness. And so our vision with that is in the next five to 10 years, it won't be weird. There won't be stigma around calling a meditation meeting. And we just jump on. We pick the right one from the content library, you know, whether it's recruiting, retaining, strategic planning, you know, trust issues within the team, interdepartmental conflict between marketing and sales or product and engineering, whatever the case might be. And we can use the, the right one to be able to access new ideas, insights and breakthroughs in new ways. So that's like an example of us living our mission um, in the workplace to your question. Yeah. Thank and, you. And George, that's an amazing answer, by the way, and surprising <laughs> as well. But uh, running a fund and a studio vetting is a superpower and, you know, to vet on both sides of it, you know, it's one thing to take in the innovation and the maturation of uh, startups and entrepreneurs uh, with all of the issues that come and baggage that comes uh, in road and, and obstacles that face them, uh, but also to then finance uh, through the fund as well. Um, now you add to the mix of a normal studio and a normal fund in the vetting process uh, an open mind, uh, you know, as much as Blaine and I align completely with the value and the values that you're utilizing in order to facilitate making money, helping people and having fun. Um, we still haven't reached chasm. That's for sure. How do you vet not, I don't care about the money and the, and the innovation entrepreneur side, cause that's done and have been done for decades, but now the added component of how are we vetting for someone who has an open mind and open heart, as well as the open hand to realize it's not just, you know, the money on the hands in the back, it's more the head and the heart. Uh, how are you vetting to find the people with the right mindset, hearts that enhance it? Yeah, that's a, uh, another great question. So, I, I mean, I think a lot of that comes with uh, the, the, as we have meetings with the founders, um, and I think it's like tech stars that says the, the first, the five things we invest in is the, the team, the team, the team, the idea, and the team. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so I, I think you know, in our case, and some VCs, right? That it's it's enterprise SaaS, it's you know, it's whatever their category is, and so like we wouldn't do something if it's not moving humanity forward. So we have that as a base requirement, 
Uh, and when you're with those founders, you just know, right? They have this mission. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they, they just believe that there's a change that they need to create. Uh, and um, so, um, so I don't know how deep you want to go with that, but, you know, I, I think it just, it becomes pretty clear. Maybe, maybe there's a better way I could answer it, but, I, you know, I think that there, it's kind of a- You might, you might as well just copy, you could might as well just copy Techstars, right? Team, team, yeah, team. There again, team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, definitely. You do have a system with questions to perturbate and to challenge uh, the mindset that's to say to buy the values and the value proposition of the fund in the studio. Exactly. You know, I was taking your question to be like about the the founder and, and like their true commitment to this deeper purpose and, and impact. Um, I, you know, so that's, you know, sometimes you ask the questions, you have to just kind of get that feel. But if you're talking about yeah. like the, the rest of it, the rest of it, we have stage gate processes and a methodology. And, okay. you know, so like, you know, you reach the next level, it unlocks, some more money and things of that nature. Which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, very standard. That's awesome. With George Bandarian, the second, by the way, founder and general partner, CEO of Untapped Ventures, a combination. And of the third is somewhere studio. back there in those photos. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, uh, we, we have a great show that we'd love to take uh, more of your companies on with Two Minute Drill uh, on Apple TV. And, We'll provide them the winners at least with fifty thousand dollars cash and prizes. So let's coordinate and get rid of those because we're looking for companies with that mindset, heart set, and hand set. There, you're inspiring and empowering with uh, George Bendarian the second. Thank you for joining us here on Office Hours. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having Appreciate me. We're looking forward to connecting again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Woo. Ah, Day is love even though it's tomorrow in Australia or Brisbane or wherever our friend was, Melbourne, uh, Shanna, we are blessed to have our third cleanup here. Here, she is the Melania. Easy for me to say, Melania. Welcome, Melania, Chief Executive Officer of Healthy Connect with a K I HealthyConnect.com. Um, and, you know, so much has been talked about and given to gamification. Um, and gamification has certainly always been a part of Fit. to now that we have mobilization of gamification and a handheld experience uh, with this accountability. It's take on a greater size, scope, and scale. And you're able to, at Healthy Connect, provide a different type of accountability for health and fitness in this gamified application. How have you uh, distinguished or defined accountability, which is to me a mainstay or a, a proven uh, variable that's necessary in order to have a lifestyle change of health and fitness? Yeah, absolutely. And like you had mentioned, the gamification piece definitely is growing. But that is the, the important thing to realize about that is that's an, an extrinsic form of motivation. Mm -hmm. So accountability itself is more, there's different ways, right? So there's extrinsic and then there's intrinsic. So our goal through Healthy Connect is to not only use the extrinsic form of motivation through gamification, but we want to connect people. Because if we're looking at the human's three basic needs, right? Relatedness. Um, uh, competence and autonomy, 
the relatedness piece is connecting with others. And so that's what we're really bringing with Healthy Connect is that social accountability piece where now you can connect and match with other users on the platform that have similar workout preferences, similar nutrition preferences, similar ways of achieving your goals. And then obviously location being um, another factor that we build in there as well, if you want to meet up in person. So yes, gamification is going to be a big part of what we do through reward points that are worth actual monetary value that they can then redeem in our in-app store for health and fitness products. But we want to really place that emphasis on community building and turn something that's daunting as working out and eating healthy can be to some people um, into something fun and and just build the community out of it and, and find people to help you achieve your goals effectively and long-term rather than just the short-term. You know, yeah, the idea of social uh, social accountability for health and fitness, you know, that's an interesting positioning. And there's a, a couple of things that come to mind here. One is the, conf, you know, the conflation that seems to occur between accountability and responsibility. Yeah, those, those two get you know, confused sometimes and they are very different. And the difficulty that I've run into uh, when, when that conflation happens is that for most people, responsibility has an association with blame. Yeah. Who's to blame? Yeah. So if I, if I go off my diet, if I go, or if I am you know, doing things that I'm, you know, I'm not hitting my exercise marks on a daily basis, if blame comes in and when blame comes in, the, the whole dynamic starts to change because it's impl yeah, implicit in that word blame is something's broken or something or somebody's to blame or uh, something went wrong. It's broken or it's wrong. So I'm, I'd be very interested in, in how, how are you addressing number one, the, you know, the potential conflation between responsibility and accountability. And then also how are you keeping blame? Yeah, it's broken. I didn't do it right. I mean, all of these things out of the uh, conversation in the community such that people have a clean uh, environment you know, to, to actually move forward with. Yeah. So just to give you a little background, I am a registered dietitian. So when I work with clients, the biggest thing that I hear is, you know, guilt of not sticking to something. And I'm really big on the mindset piece of nutrition because it's not just a physical thing. Uh, so to answer your question, what we want this platform to essentially be is the we want it to be autonomous to the users. So we don't want people to feel like, oh, OK, I'm going to get an accountability partner. We have to go to the gym and we have to do this specific type of workout or else. Oh, God, like I, you know, I didn't do it. I'm a failure. So we allow them to identify how they like to be physically active, how they like to eat, what are their dietary preferences, right? So we want it to really be customized and personalized to them and have them create their own journey so they don't feel like they're confined to the stigma of, oh, you have to do this or you have to do this or else you're not going to be healthy and you're not going to achieve your goals. Yeah, that's good. And Melena, um, looking at the emotional side of things, I find it really interesting how related uh, fitness or, or, or health and nutrition are, but they're completely different emotional uh, activities. And, you know, I'm always amazed how there can be one of the most disciplined, coherent athletes or fitness people, and they have the worst diet in the world. Uh, or there's someone who has 
the most coherent, disciplined diet, healthy, and they have the worst exercise or fitness regimen as well. And I tend to think that they're just so emotionally divergent and they have different aspects that cause the interference between the natural homostasis of you are happy and healthy and wealthy and worthy. You already, your nutrition is fine. You are at ease. What are you doing to create dis-ease in your fitness or dis-ease in your nutrition? What are in your, you know, expertise, in fact, the emotional differences that create this interference between people who aren't good at working out and or aren't good at the nutrition yeah, well, that's just the thing, Dave. You you really hit it right on its head because it, when it comes to creating healthier lifestyle and creating these these habit changes, there's no one right way. Which is why I personally, in my consulting with my clients, I am all about personalization. So I use genetic testing. I use gut health testing. I really, I get as much data as I can inside of your body without cutting you open and actually looking and because you know what I mean? And it's like, there's got me a hello. Right. Right. There's so much out there and it's causes people to create this mindset where they have to do it just this one black and white way or else they're going to fail. And that's where a lot of the disease comes from is because they're like, Oh, well, so-and-so did this now let me try. And when they don't do it, then they they're like, Oh my God, like, I, I failed or, or they start being super hard on themselves. So what, what I like to do just in my world and with my clients is that I want them to know that it's, it's going to be custom to them. It's their own journey and it's not going to look the same as everybody else's. Mm-hmm. So when I get this data and I actually can show them what's going on inside of their body at a granular or cellular level, it's like, okay, here's what's happening. And I have the knowledge in the background to help guide you in the right direction based off of your specific information. And I think that not only do I I think, but it's also been scientifically studied, is that when these recommendations are personalized, the percentage of people that actually achieve their long-term goals and actually can sustain it is a lot higher because now they know exactly what they need to do for their own specific body type, their genetics, um, just all different variables that play into it. And they're not hyper-focused on what so-and-so is doing to achieve their goals. You know, you've talked about three primary drivers, relationship, competency, and autonomy. We've talked about the relationship piece, you know, the community that gets created off the app and the platform. You just now talked about uh, autonomy in the sense of this is a personalized approach. And in that personalization, there is autonomy for me to do things because my biome and everything else is a little bit unique. How are you, you know, the, the issue of competency? If I'm somebody that has tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed, I, you know, and so this mental chatter goes on in my mind. Oh, here we go one more time. How are you addressing that with the app? How does that actually get, your, uh, get, get people to begin to feel competent in the process? Yeah, another, you guys are asking great questions. So we get paid big bucks for this. I know, I love it. Um, So I'm very big, just again, in in the space that I'm in, I'm big on education. So I want to make sure that we're able to not only have a platform where people can share their journey, but we also want to be, have experts on there that are actually educating people 
uh, myself included, and then other strategic partnerships that we are um, planning further out in different phases to bring on and actually have them as experts on the platform. So it's kind of like an RD on demand, if you want to call it that, where people can chat with dietitians. Uh, we'll also have a uh, library or a database with health and fitness information that is actually credible, because that's another big thing is people feel like don't have that confidence in health and fitness because there's so much information out there. It's information overload. And you hear one thing, you see another thing and you're like, okay, well, what do I believe? Right? So our biggest thing definitely is the education piece, which we plan on doing with those two different ways. So having that uh, database of research articles, as well as bringing on experts into the platform. It's amazing. You know, where, where can people sign up and uh, download the app and utilize your services? Yeah. So we're actually, we just won a, uh, shark tank style pitch contest called sharks and angels live so we've been talking with some investors uh post event and our projected launch or we're going into beta actually pretty soon but our projected launch to the actual app store i want to say end of september we do have a wait list of about three thousand people right now uh that we've been running instagram and facebook ads to uh we've been it's been crazy the amount of uh interest that we've gotten just from uh the last few months so if you go to www.healthyconnect.com you can sign up for the waitlist there that's great awesome that's k-i-n-n-e-c-t so just we've got all types of connect on here so i just want to clarify for audience healthy connect k-i-n-n-e-c-t.com melena thank you so much for joining us go of healthy connect I have a feeling that this may just be the answer that we're looking for. Thanks for having the time to join us and educate us. We appreciate you. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome, my friend. We need to get her connected to George. <laughs> I know. I, I, it's, cra it's crazy, though. I just love this show. I just think, yeah. you know, at a whim, the soul of business, the mindset mastermind, whatever you want to call it, Office hours here with you is uh, an MBA in a day. That's what I would call it. And if you want an MBA every day, then you got to join Blaine at learn.blainebartlett.com forward slash LMM. Uh, just an extraordinary mind to help everyone with the best intentions. Blaine, what's your takeaway of the day? Takeaway for the day, uh, I'm going to organize it around aliveness. Aliveness. <laughs> Um, you know, when uh, you know, we're looking at uh, building a higher plan, you know, creating a plan for a high performance life, you know, that, that's that's present future, present future, present future. And it's not role dependent. It's not career dependent. And it's, you know, the idea of bringing aliveness to what it is that I'm doing in all aspects and all domains. Uh, the idea of, uh, uh, you know, moving humanity forward. Uh, that's about aliveness, which is what George was talking about. And, you know, we, we need organizations that move humanity forward. I mean, and I love that phrase. And then, you know, the, it doesn't get much more personal than health and well-being. Yeah. And when my health and well-being is handled, my, my experience of aliveness, and you talk about this quite a bit. I mean, if I've got my health, I'm not concerned with anything else. I mean, it's just kind of out there. If I don't have my health, the only thing I'm <laughs> looking to is... I don't like what I'm feeling right now. And it, yeah, so aliveness has a lot of permutations and a lot of applications. So that's, 
each one of our guests today, I think, in some way talked about that in their own way. And uh, that's the takeaway. That's awesome. I'm going to take away, uh, steal a little idea that uh, Miles, my 12-year-old son, who you know, uh, had his first scrimmage last night for Pop Warner. And I've been so excited because I've never felt so grateful and excited about a coaching staff, especially a head coach. And we were speaking about this team and he said, look, you know, this is the first year I've coached this team and I have, you know, won some significant uh, Super Bowls of Pop Warner, gone to Florida over the years. And I'm now coaching my grandson. He's 12. And I plan on taking this team up through high school and, and letting them, uh, the high school coaches love me, he says, because I prepare my players uh, and, from the day one when he taught him how to kneel, you know. And, and we sat before the game and said, hi, coach. He says, this season's about alignment and assignment. I'm teaching them alignment and assignment. And he said, next year we'll worry about winning. Now, meanwhile, not only was it the best performance of any team that my boy has ever played on for a first game or a first scrimmage, just knock the socks off the other team. Uh, but even more impressive of the alignment and assignment, uh, he, after the scrimmage, he couldn't talk. He said, I'm too emotional. He, and he let the other coaches speak. And then he finally had his turn to talk. And all he did is he said, all the boys came in and, you know, he put his arms around the entire huddle, you know, 26 boys, and he cried. And he had alignment an assignment he like our friend Chana, you know his life plan is this fine assignment i'm uh, i'm aligning with what potential i have and i'm yeah. going to create an assignment for myself uh to execute on and i'll deal with the mistakes setbacks and failures the pivots uh the protections the promotions uh and george you know he's getting alignment and assignment with entrepreneurs and obviously as you stated most importantly, Milena, alignment and assignment with our health and nutrition so that we can have as many wishes as I want. So my takeaway of the day is in honor of the best kid coach I've ever met, uh, a man who I've just earned so much respect for uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm a crier. I, I hear my heart on my sleeve uh, because I care so much. I just I started to tear up when I saw it. I said, this yeah. guy really cares. Like it is, it, 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 you can't feel the way that he feels and left. He really wants to teach these kids something about alignment and alignment. Obviously, from the three people we've had on today, it seems like an extremely important lesson, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And I appreciate you assisting me as always with my alignment and assignment and others in my circles and spheres of influence. The incredible Blaine Bartlett. Learn.blamebartlett.com forward slash LMM. If you want to join the best mastermind there is, it's the mindset mastermind. You give meaning to everything you see. All my love. Thank you for the alignment and assignment. I will see you soon. Okay, buddy. You take care. Talk soon. Love you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Big shout out. Big training tomorrow. We're on fire Friday, every Friday for over 22 years. We're coming on 23 years, Nick. How about that? 23 years coming up. Uh, free training, free books, free exercises, free guides, free lives, free office hours, free. Oh, 
so much for free. If it's free, it must be me. Come and join us. If you miss it, watch the replay. One thing I've learned about all the podcasts, download the playbook. That's where we have the replays of all these things. Download the playbook and review it and rate it so more people can have access to great minds, great hearts, and great hands as Blaine Bartlett. Please, everyone, download the playbook, rate it, and review it. Remember, most importantly, whether you're there tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. or not, you can always email me, david at dmelzer.com. Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.